Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 111, third, fourth, I guess, episode of the All In series. Um, obviously, Ed and myself, uh, the, the new sort of series, if you're been listening to R2Cast for a while and haven't came across this, we've done one with a professional footballer, uh, one with a couple, Dylan and Deltia, who have travelled 88 countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty yeah. mad, pretty mad. Uh, now, it's not 88 countries, but between them, they've been to 59 and 29, respectively. So a cool story there. And, and Celtia was trilingual, which was yeah. made us feel pretty useless. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Very impressive. Um, and then, obviously, the 100th episode with Ed and myself, just sort of getting to know us <laughs> as the guests, So as the hosts, sorry. Um, so that is the story there. Uh, the last episode we had in the R2 cast was with a vet, John Hamilton, a good mate of mine, or a good mate of ours, I guess. Yeah. You know, John. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to uni with his brother, uh, but he's now the vet, or not the vet, a vet down these parts in sort of Dumfries and particular Lockerbie. I don't know who the next episode is. We've sort of had about six or seven episodes of filmed over the last week or so, um, but we'll see what's next. But today is a good one because some of you that follow me might know I like having a bit of a play with an axe. Um, now, Today's guest is arguably as good as me with an app. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flatter yourselves. <laughs> now, uh, and <laughs> thanks, Vlad. Appreciate that. Uh, I don't think you should be offended. <laughs> and today's guest is the current British pro champion in timber sports, <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Benlington. Glenn, would you like to say hello? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good mate, good. Uh, yeah, maybe that was a bit of an oversight yeah. of a sale, that one. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, maybe we should just meet up and actually have a have a competition. Is that something you'd be happy to do, Glenn? Yeah, well, let's do it. Well, let's go for it then. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I was hoping he'd say no. Each other time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll record, I'm all good. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> I generally would class myself as decent with an axe, but I've watched a bit of you lately, and yeah, yeah it's just yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's insane. Like you make axes do things they're not made for. But um, before we get into the podcast, like we've got two questions already, and the two questions came from our episode one hundred and seven with Dylan and Celtia, and uh, they're good. Now they are travelers, so uh, they're both sort of country based. Um, the first one is. If you could go to any country, what would it be and why? I'll let you answer that one first, then I'll give you the next one. Probably Peru at the moment, because I want to see it is Peru where there's that Machu Picchu. Is that Machu right? Picchu, yeah, yeah. yeah, I want yeah. I kind of want to go there. Um, the other one maybe would be New Zealand. Um, but I am going there this year for a wood chopping competition. So yeah. Right. That's I mean, that is that is not where. I expected that to go in fairness, but it's a, it's a, I mean, I've not been, but some of the photos you see of that place is absolutely stunning, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, good answer. Yeah. So um, the other question uh, from Celtia was if you were to make a new country, what would your first three laws for that country be? Yeah, it's a bit of a humbling on that. That's a, that's a good question, that one, isn't it? Um, yeah. it's for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Three laws. Hmm. Learn a lot about a person with this answer. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> even know where I'll go with this. Yeah. This probably puts you on the spot, doesn't it, yeah? Um, it does, yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. You've now got however long we've got to talk to think of a question to put the next yeah. guest on the spot. Yeah, I know. I was... Uh, that's another one I got to do as well. Three laws. <laughs> Three laws. 
Maybe we should make one of them that everyone's got to have an axe just because I'm a wood chopper. Should we say something like that? <laughs> I mean, um, might, might lead to some fatalities. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Should we be fair here? Should uh, Glenn's given one and you and I should give one? Does that seem fair? Yeah, yeah, it was a fair question. Have, have you got one? <laughs> no. Oh, so, so I've got all right, so I've <laughs> set myself up for a fall on that one. I mean, I could have been thinking about that one. Do you know, um, I actually do have one. Everyone has to reverse park. And oh, you're yeah. People that drive in forward, man, you're just not ready for an apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I can reverse really quickly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to reverse and start again. Nah, no chance. Not having it. Um, you have to legally reverse park. Oh, mate, honestly, like, people say it's easier to go in forward. Like, physically, it is literally not. Right. This podcast covers everything, Glenn. It really does. <laughs> I, love, I like that one, though. To be fair, I like that. What's that? I do like that one. I think that's a good, that's a good law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've been thinking about that one. You've definitely been thinking about that one since the last podcast. I honestly, haven't. But it's just a, a really <laughs> annoying. Every time I drive in here, you're just driving into the door, like. It's yeah, just... well, I mean, I'm like, I could have went in the house, and I'm probably hungry or something. Right. I, don't know. I think it's fair to say, with this distraction, you've bought yourself some time while you're tensing it's... your biceps up. It's just... good things. <laughs> um. God, I don't. I don't even know. Um. Well, that was weak. Yeah. I, I, you, you confused me and distracted me with the parking one. Right, we'll end it on two. At some point throughout the podcast, if you come up one, you can see it. Yeah. Um, it is more about Glenn in fairness, but the, uh, the, that question when, when, when they said yeah, that, that was went hard. hard. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Glenn, for those, for those listening, give us a bit of background about yourself and, and feel free to speak, you know, out with the, th- the sports side as well. Like, what's, what's your background just in general? So, um, my, na- my day job is uh, I'm a builder. So, um, yeah, just work with me and my dad. So, it's a bit of a family business between us. And then the hobby is that there's still timber sports. I, um, I'm kind of quite lucky in a way. I sort of grew up with the sport. Um, my dad actually started when I was about three years old. So I've sort of been one of those lucky people that's grown up with the sport. It's quite a unique sport. You know, um, not many people probably know about it. Perhaps now with the um, the latest video I've done with Eddie Hall, perhaps more and more people have seen about it a little bit and um, it's getting out there. But yeah, it's um, it's a unique sport, but it has enabled me to travel quite a lot around the world. So, yeah. What, what I, I, you know, it's, I, timber sports is a thing that I probably have been aware of my whole life, and it's mainly down to Highland Show. Have mm. you competed at Highland Show? Is that a thing, or is that a lower? I don't really know what. The no, never. You like to be fair. You probably think that with um with the sport, it probably it fit perfectly in like Scotland with the with the Highland Games and all stuff like that. But there's actually only what is there now? There's not even a, a club up in Scotland. There is. There's a lad, Graham Turner. He's probably the one pushing for it the most at the moment. He was actually second in the British Championships last year. Um, he's a good mate of mine. We actually travel around a lot of competitions around Europe together. Um, we've just like, you know, got a good friendship. He always, whenever he comes down. So a lot of the competitions are actually based around Mid Wales. Um, so we've got the Royal Welsh Show. That's probably the biggest. We've got four days there. And then a lot of the smaller competitions all in Mid Wales. So again, another thing where, I'm very lucky in that sense is that I don't have to travel too far for the competitions. Um, we are looking actually to try and get a competition up in Scotland for next year. So trying to get into the, um, it is the Highland Highland Game Fair. 
the Highland Show is like Highland the, show, that's the one, yeah. Like the Royal Show in Scotland, yeah. That's it. So that's the one where we, you know, we wanna wanna maybe try and get something there if we can. Um, obviously, similar to the Royal Welsh, it'd be it'd be great to have something there. I mean, as as it stands, there's sort of like a maybe it's not strictly still timber sports. There's like the majority of the stuff we certainly saw in the video, Eddie Hall and like lumberjack climbing that sort of thing. Um, but maybe it's not quite affiliated or whatever the term is, but uh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, 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 I've seen it once or twice. I've not watched it too much, but I have seen it and I And when, when you're old man, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's mad. When you when your old man was doing it, Glenn, was, uh, was it something you always wanted to do or was it just like you were brought along and it sort of happened? It was always something I wanted to do when I was, um, I sort of started around, started, started competing when I was 15. So um, I was always busy sort of playing like rugby or cricket or golf or something. And then it was something that, you know, I, I sort of did a little bit of when I was younger, like 11, obviously, you know, swinging an axe around um, isn't like, you know, not, not every parent's going to be accepting of that when their kid wants to go at like 11 years old, they want to start swinging an axe between their legs. But um you know, because my dad did it, it was something I could sort of do, but I didn't really start really getting into it until I was about 15. That's when I done my first competition. Um, but it was something I was always sort of growing up with it, watching it, always wanting to be a part of it. I was always, you know, when I was really young, I was carrying around a little like little toy axe and stuff like that. So it, it has always been something I've, I've wanted to get into. I think uh, I think a question I'll just start with. Um, could you just explain to anybody that's listening that's not quite sure kind of obviously you can have a rough idea of what it'll be but what exactly is timber sports and what's it entail so timber sports is it's basically using um axes and saws to compete with so we have um in the timber sports side of it we have six events so you've got three that use axes and three that use saws they're all um it's called a work derived sport so everything has come from you know the olden days where they used to fall the trees with axes and then it's gradually got into that they, you know, then got power saws and stuff like that, like, and then into this, like, chainsaws that you've got these days. But it's, um, it all started off originally was just with a couple of guys having a bet um, who could fall a tree the quickest. Um, they had a bit of a wager and then more and more people got involved in it. Um, and then it's turned into the competition now. So you've got three events with the axes. You've got one that's called the underhand. That's one where you'll stand on a horizontal log. Uh, you chop through one side to get halfway you then turn and you finish the log on the other side everything is all based on time so it's the quickest person um, over each event uh, you then have a standing block so that's a vertical log so basically simulated fell in the tree exactly the same uh, you cut halfway you turn around and you cut and finish the block from the other side then I have one called the springboard so that's one where you'll cut a notch or uh, what we call a pocket into a pole you go um, nine foot up so you take two boards up Again, this is something they would have done like years ago in the woods when they wanted to get above the, you know, the, the butt timber, the hard timber to cut. Um, but we put, so we do two pockets and then you cut the block on top. This one's slightly different, um, whereas you cut about three quarters of the way or a little bit more than that even. And then you turn on top of that board and a lot of people will change their hands and try and finish that block off. You then go into the soaring events. You've got one that's called the single buck. So that's if you may have seen um, people may have seen in like old pubs and stuff. You have the old crosscut saws that they might see on the wall or above the fireplace. That's now been um, they've been changed into like more of a racing saw. 
that's one of the events, a single buck. That's you cut a, uh, a single disc or a cookie is what we call them in the fastest time. You've then got the still, still stock saw. So we all use a still MS661 chainsaw to cut two cookies. And you've got to cut those cookies within 100 millimeters of wood. So that's a bit more technical. A lot of people think it's just, you know, nice and easy, just cut two discs off of a chainsaw, but you've got to make sure those discs are complete. And there's a lot more technique in that one than what sort of it appears when you say, oh, you just cut two discs. And then the final one is one that um, is quite a, a crowd pleaser. Um, it's called the hot saw. So that's basically a motorbike or go-kart or jet ski engine that's been modified to have a bar and chain on it. Um, and they can be anything from 250cc all the way up to about 400cc, I think one of the biggest is. And that's where you cut three uh, cookies on an 18-inch piece of wood. And those, the world record for that is under five seconds. And that includes starting the chainsaw, the hot saw, picking it up and cutting them three discs. So when it, you see it, it's like, you know, that you can see why it's a crowd pleaser. So with that one, are you in charge of the modification? Yeah, so with, with the hot saw, you can literally um, do whatever you want, as long as it's a single cylinder. Uh, you can start it with a pull cord and it can be a throwaway pull cord and you can carry it on stage. Other than that, it's literally whatever you want. So you've got, you know, you can change whatever fuel you want to do on it. You can, um, you know, I've seen some people with some have like little like cans and like nitrous oxide to try and get whatever they can into it. So like that's more on the modified saws. But um, yeah, literally there are no rules other than those three. So, yeah. Nice. Still Timber Sports Tokyo Drift. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's mad. I, I can just yeah. imagine that is massive in the States. They go yeah. wild over there, don't they? Yeah, yeah I thought that was good. Like with, with anything with uh, with going over to America, they always have to do it bigger and better. So um, that's actually where the Still Timber Sports series did originate from. It started over there, um, grew into a really big event. They started to then get people from Australia and New Zealand traveling across to enter and then that's where it grew then into what the, the still timber sports world championships is now is it and this is yeah, i don't even know if i'm allowed to say the word in the, this podcast uh, glenn but is it just still that does this or do husqvarna do other other companies do this as well so yeah there are other series there is a um one that's called the Eurojack. so their competitions are slightly different they um they still do the um, the same with the underhand, the standing block and stuff like that. But they have uh, a few more chainsaw events. So they have one where I think it's called flying disc. So you have to you have a vertical log and that's actually used with a modified saw. And they try and cut off 10 discs in the fastest time. Um, and the discs literally are just flying everywhere. So, um, yeah, that's the Eurojet. That's um. I think that's just a slightly different series. Same sort of thing. You, you, uh, so with the Still Series, you, um, Still Timber Sport Series, you accumulate points over each event, and the person with the most points at the end is the winner. Um, that's the same with the Eurojack. And then there's also um, other events. It's very big in um, Australia and New Zealand, so you have a lot more like handicap events and stuff like that there. So in a way like golf, whereas golf, your handicap comes down, the better you are with the wood chop inside of it, your handicap goes up. So um, the rules in the UK are that if you get a win in an open event, your handicap will go up by three seconds. If you get uh, a second, it goes up by two and third, it goes up by one. So that's when you start to see the field of axemen come really close together. So rather than everyone having to go at the same time, like with the still timber sports side, 
you sort of get more of a level playing field because different levels of people can still compete against each other and, and have a good chance of winning. In, in a tournament where one of the contests, the world record is five seconds, three seconds is a massive handicap. Yeah, so that's more um, more with the um, the hot saw. You wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have the uh, have that side of it. But with the um, for the underhand chop, for example, the world record for that is currently twelve seconds, um, and the British record is eighteen point seven. So um, when you look at it like that, if you say it's 18 seconds, so that person might be on a handicap of, say, 35. So then it means that someone that's just starting out in the sport who would be on a handicap of... So if, when you start out, you start on a handicap of three. So that person there, if they're giving that person 32 seconds, then if their best time is 18, they've got... The person starting out has then got 50 seconds to cut that log to beat that person, if you know what I mean. What, uh, which is your favourite event over there? Good one. Them all. Good one. For me, it's the springboard. Um, just the fact that you're, you know, you're stood on a probably eight inch wide board and you're nine foot up in the air cutting a log, swinging an axe. I just think it's the one where maybe it's a bit more technical as well. Um, I'm one of the smaller guys, so it does help me a little bit as well, but not massively. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably my favourite event. I'm more of a person with, I prefer the um, the events with the axes rather than the events with the saws. They always used to be more weaker events, but it's something I've worked on over the years. And I think that's what then enabled me to win the British Championships for the first time last year. Uh, the, the, the springboard, you call it, Glenn, is that right? No, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant to watch. And, and the reason it's good is, like, like you say, if you do it wrong, you're falling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the board you're talking about, God, I'd have to put it halfway through the tree for it to hold me. <laughs> but, yeah, but the, and I do have a question about this, actually. It's a very specific question. To get that sort of raw den, did you say it's eight inch wide? Is that right? Yeah, so the, the board itself is eight inches wide. Then on the end of that board, you have a, um, a metal tip. The tip's yeah. probably only about four inches wide so that narrows right down but on the edge of that tip there's a little tiny little lap stand so when you cut the pocket you want to cut it so that there's enough room for that board to go right to the back of the pocket but then the tip then will as you put weight onto the board the tip then will actually dig in with that little lap stand on the front so that's what stops that board from popping out the tree yeah see that's the thing though so it needs to be deep but it also needs to be thin and and i assume Cutting that type of thing is quite tricky. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's probably that's where the the, um, the the ideal amount number of hits put for a pocket is four. So if you can get it out in four, that's the that's almost like the perfect amount. Like yeah, people are still trying to get it so they can cut them in three and two, but four hits is like the the goal. But that's when because it's so small, it's only you know about a good guide for what they say is about three fingers fingers wide so um you know obviously a bigger person would have a wider pocket um they'd also have like a bigger bigger hands usually so that's the guide but um trying to get four hits to go perfectly in about what would it be about three inches is actually quite hard so that's where you sort of see the technical side of this this event and then obviously if you don't get that pocket right that's when you start to see the board start to sag and it not stay ver stay horizontal. And that's when you sort of see the people sort of really struggling. So there's a lot of technique in making sure that that pocket's 
perfect enough to hold the board and so you've got a state a good stable base to start cutting that block on top that's so interesting yeah yeah there's, there's, a, there's a, lot, a lot of thought to goes into that the the one where you stand on the top and you you hit the log you know what's that called again sorry the underhand underhand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it cause a lot of injuries? <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair, that probably it is actually the one event you start on. So whenever someone starts and comes to start wood chopping or starts a timber sport, the first event you'll actually do with them with the axe will be the underhand. So right. and everyone sort of looks at it and goes like, "That's got to be the most dangerous one." You know, you're 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 hard, you're inches away from your feet and stuff. But the most dangerous one is actually the stand and block, and that's purely because you put two hits that are like that are up but then when you put the two hits down there's more chance of that axe because of the angle you're bringing it in on there's more chance of that axe deflecting off that block and then going into your legs so that's usually where the accidents are like yeah there have been people on the underhand that have you know slabbed across and taken off a few toes there's plenty of horror stories that go around everyone and stuff but we do actually have a um we wear a lot of people wear these now and it's actually one of the rules in the still timber sports that you have to wear them and that's we wear a chain mail sock so it's like a butcher's glove um it covers all of your feet it goes all the way around your toes and it also comes up and covers the front of your shin as well so if you were to have a mishap with the axe it would actually stop that axe from cutting you so there's a good chance you're going to break a toe or something but it's a lot better to have broken a toe than to have lost four <laughs> it's better to have a broken one than not any yeah <laughs> have you have you had any uh, serious injuries doing it not serious ones i've got um i've had with the with the uh, the single buck i've um, had the sword just glance and catch my knee so i've got a few little scars there and on the standing block i've had one where i've just when I bought the axe back, I've just clipped it enough. And because they are razor sharp, you can, you can literally shave with them. You could, um, you can easily, if you just catch yourself, it's going to cut. So yeah, they're just very small ones, but nothing, nothing too serious. Touch wood. And the, touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, anyone that's less than and not watching is going to be so confused to watch that. Did no. Wallace fall off the chair again? Um, the, the, yeah. <laughs> You're a dick, man. Why did I ever bring you on this? <laughs> it would be louder. On you go, you tense your biceps there again. <laughs> um, oh, it's such a good question. Yes. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, the axes, right? The Actually, maybe one just very short question. Are you wearing like chainsaw trousers? Is that the rules for the saw events or is there not rules on that sort of thing? Yeah, so when you do the stock saw and the hot saw, you have to wear um, chainsaw trousers. Um, you also have to wear um, ear protection. So that can be anything from um, earplugs to earmuffs to whatever, as long as you've got ear protection in. And you also have to wear safety glasses. Those, those two events, you have to have those. And with all the chopping events, you have to have the chainmail socks on. And is, is that like a, you know, if you don't, you're disqualified or there's a there's a penalty of what's the crack? Yeah, so actually um, you do get an a instant disqualification. There was actually a situation that happened, when was it, 2021. So a person, there's the one event is, um, is called the trophy. So that's where it's the endurance event. 
you do a stock saw, you then run to the underhand, you cut the underhand, you run back to the single buck, you do a single buck disc, and then you run and you cut a standing block. That's all done by one person on their own. Um, with Because you're starting off with that still stock saw, you have to have the ear protection and the eye protection on. There was actually a situation where in the final of the European trophy in that year, um, a guy called Martin Kumarek, who's sadly not with us now, but um, he actually won the final, set a new European record. Uh, they hadn't actually noticed because he had been wearing earplugs the whole time, but they hadn't actually noticed that he didn't have the earplugs in. They announced that he was the winner and he actually put his hand up and said, no, I'm, uh, I'm not the winner. Um, I didn't actually have the, uh, the ear protection in. So he actually owned up to that. Could have, could have completely got away with it. And I don't think anyone would have ever noticed. But yeah, it, he got a disqualification then for himself and, um, and actually, you know, lost out on having that, that first place, that European record and stuff like that. So um, it's actually gone down as one of the, you know, the biggest, um, you know, sporting gestures that we've got in the sport, the fact that he, he did that. So, yeah, but um, obviously even at the, the highest level, if you haven't got that, that safety gear on, it's a disqualification. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you played uh, a few other sports. When when did you kind of make the decision that you wanted to go into just uh, focusing on all your time in timber sports? I um I used to play used to play. I still play quite a lot of golf. Um, still try and play it, the timber sports side. It only really started getting big in the UK. There's always been wood chopping events. It used to be when I was. When I was 15, 16, 17, it was more, there was only about two competitions a year. So we had the Royal Welsh and then in my local town, we had a small one day competition at the carnival. Going into, I think it was 2012 was the first time there was a, um, a British championship. So I would have been 21 then. Um, I was lucky enough to go when I was 19 to a, a competition in Germany um, as a rookie then. So a rookie is at under 25 uh, when you're under 25, you can go in that series. And I was lucky enough to actually, that was my first timber sports competition, was actually one in Germany, not in the UK. Uh, I won that competition and qualified for the rookie team um, that year. So that was what sort of got me into timber sports. But it wasn't till about, I think, yeah, 2012 was the first British championship. And then I think after then, I might maybe played three or four more years of rugby, like really putting a lot into it. I think I had one more year, I was captain of the local team. And then after that, I sort of looked at it and thought, well, you know, there's there's a lot more opportunities coming up here in the timber sports. I was I was only ever going to play rugby for my local team. But with the timber sports, I was starting to get to travel around the world, meet different people. And I thought if I put a lot more effort into this, maybe this is something that can take me places. And luckily it has. I've I've this last weekend, I've got back from a competition that was in Italy um, and I'm going to a competition in at the end of June, which is in Switzerland. And I also got invited to one that's in Paris uh, at the end of September. So it is starting to take me all over the place. So it was definitely the right decision at around about 25, 26 to just fully focus on this timber sports. Is it a sport that generates income? Um, there we, we do have prize money. It's not massive prize money at the World Championships it is, but there are professional tim timber sports athletes. There are people that do make a, a full living from it, but they're over in America where there's 
a lot more competitions than what there is here. I'm quite lucky at the moment. The last couple of years, I've been invited to um, be a trainer for the to, for the still GB um, timber sport side of it. So I've been helping train up um, women that are coming into the sport. So last year was the first time we had um, women a women's championship in the UK, which was quite good. Um, it was good for us as a family. Like I said, my dad, that's how I got into it. My dad started, but my sister was actually the first um, women's champion last year. So, you know, everyone's going to remember the first. So she's quite happy with that. She won that. Um, it's quite good for my mum and dad because they've supported, obviously, my dad supported me. So then to have me and my sister win the British titles last year was a massive thing for us. Um, and I was obviously, like I said, I was involved with the training side of that. So that's always been good and quite re rewarding. And also, um, I train up the rookies as well, which are the under 25s uh, athletes. And the lad that lives in the local town, um, he actually won the rookies and he's someone I've had a big influence with and done a lot of training with. So it was it's quite good to sort of, not only am I able to train myself, but also to be able to give back and help other people achieve goals like winning the British titles. So was, was that... The lad that was on the Eddie Hall video, the one you were yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's Jack. Um, so he he's actually off to the Rookie World Championships now, um, the 10th of June. Um, so that's a massive thing for him. Um, obviously, it's got the best guys from around the world. He's had to qualify through doing competitions. There was He's had to actually get into the top eight. Uh, in Europe of the, the rookies so they all go into a ranking system and it's all on their total combined time so he was ranked eighth so qualified for the world the rookie world championships that way he's going to go up against the, the top guy from Australia New Zealand America and Canada and then the top uh, well the top seven guys as well from Europe so it's a big thing a big thing for him to go and do as well so the the two, the, the female and the male current British champion are you and your sister. That's it, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> that's very cool. Forget the Stoltman brothers, eh? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Holy shit. Yeah, Is, and I, I, until this minute, Glenn, I didn't know about your sister, and that's purely because, well, in fairness, I didn't know much about you until I saw the video <laughs> I did message you last week. But um, is have you both been doing it for as long as each other? No, or have you so been actually, doing um, Zoe only really started, she's always sort of wanted to have a go, but there's never really been, there's never really been the opening for women to do it. It was always, there might've been one that would do it or, or maybe two, maybe two, but they might never be at the same competition. So it never really took off, but, um, it actually probably was from lockdown. Um, a, another girl went across to Australia with her boyfriend, um, that he was competing out there and and her parent uh, her father actually competed as well and her grandfather so she decided she was going to have a go at it over there my sister then saw it and thought you know I, I might have a go at that seeing her competing and seeing the videos of her and then when lockdown happened it sort of gave her that opportunity to go right there's not actually no competitions here but I'm going to give it a full effort and try and train up for this next year and see if I can compete. So those two really started it off. There's another girl as well that some people may have seen. Um, it's her name's on Instagram is Little Miss Chainsaw. So some people might have seen her on on the Instagram. But she was actually another person that that, that got involved in it. And those three people, those three girls, 
were probably what actually started it off in the UK. They sort of went to Still and was like, you know, we, we want to have a women's one here. We, we want to have that. So it was last year we had the first ever um, women's uh, training camp and um, they, we got eight women there and they all, to be fair, um, the women have probably taken it to a different level across the whole of Europe so that we've got the, the biggest number of w women competitors um, at the whole of Europe. So we've actually got 10 women that are training and there's going to be eight. I think there's eight that's going to be competing this year, whereas other countries are looking at maybe at the most three. So the women in this country really have taken it on. They're, um, they're, they're all really trying hard to, to compete and compete in that European level as well. So it is good to see. Um, you mentioned that you're um, that you're a builder um, when you're not doing uh, timber sports. Is that always been kind of what what you've wanted to do? Kind of when did you get into that? So no, originally when I was in school, I always sort of wanted to do something with sport. I was always doing sports when I was in school, like you know any sport. Um, you you name it, I was trying to do it. So whether it's cricket, golf, football, uh, rugby, I was always trying to do it. I wasn't necessarily any good at them, but I always wanted to be involved in them. Um, so I actually wanted to be a PE teacher. Um, when I left school, the first job I had was uh, I was a lifeguard at a leisure centre. And that's where I was sort of was going. I didn't actually follow that um, PE teacher route in the end. I sort of went down the... Um, looking at doing um like courses to be a swimming instructor or or doing that and then it was just I sort of looked at it and thought you know maybe I need a different career and with my dad being a builder I just started working with him um and then just went from there then it wasn't anything I never really thought I was going to be a builder it wasn't until I was about 21 I came back from Australia and thought you know I'm going to um gonna have to get a bit of a career going now and just yeah ask my dad could I start working with him and that's how it started really and the the, the travel in the world side of things but you said you've been to a few places how many places have you been to with it with I've been to Australia New Zealand I've been European countries uh, I've been to Ireland and chop there Germany France Switzerland Norway Sweden the Czech Republic, Italy, um, so what's that, that's 10, yeah. Holland, 11, so yeah, and then the UK, so yeah, 12, 12 different countries, so yeah, I have got to quite a lot, um, the World Championships is quite good because it sort of moves around different countries each time, so I've always got them opportunities to compete there, this year it's in Germany again, in Stuttgart, um, so that'll be a good one. It's always it's always a very good and big one there. That was actually the first World Championships I went to as part of Team GB. That was in Stuttgart, so it's going to be good to go back there this year, hopefully, as long as I qualify for the team. So is, is the World Championships more of a team thing than an individual? So you'll have an individual. So the top seven individuals in Europe are very similar to how the, the rookies are done. The top seven individuals... Uh, in Europe will then go into the qualify for the world championships so at your national championships um, all the wood that's um, that people compete on uh, across every national championship is all from the same forest and produced by the same person so it's as fair as possible at, at the fairest level playing field they can make it obviously with the nature of wood some people might get unlucky and have a knot or something in it but you then know that it's 
as fair as it can be. You then qualify f- for that. So the top seven people then are all chopping on the same wood. So there's no like, you can't say like, oh, well, you had a quicker species of wood or anything like that. So if you then qualify in that top seven, you'll then go through to the world championships as an individual. Uh, you can then also from that national championships, you can qualify for your national team. So you have a team of four where you the events we do is the stock saw, the underhand, the single buck and the standing block. So you've got that team of four. You also have a reserve and then you can take a rookie competitor as well. So six people in that team uh, fighting for four places. And so, sorry, just to, on that, is there's the four events. Does everyone do every event or does one person do each? So one person does each. So you'll have one person on the stock saw. You then go right. from the stock saw. The second the stock saw finishes, that person on the underhand can start. That person will uh, finish that block off. You'll, as soon as they finish, you can then start the single buck and then you finish off then on the standing block. Um, and what, what one would you normally do? I've done the standing block last year. That, um, that's probably my favourite event that's in the, the team event. Um, I do like to do the standing block. Uh, so that's what I hopefully try and do this year. But it's always it's always one of them, no matter what, what you do, if you're in that team, it's just a privilege to be part of that team um, and represent your country. And you said you said about the axe thing. This is something that that is very much of interest to me. That I've I've worked with one axe since I was in fourth year at high school, and I so that would be for so for twelve years, right? I mean, every shot I take, I'm scared the head's going to come off, like it's done. But I then got <laughs> mum and dad treated me uh, to a new axe last year, and it's. We still got it free on the Facebook marketplace. Like, it's nothing special. But the difference that made was insane, right? And then when I saw, I watch a bit of timber sports, like here and there on YouTube and whatnot, and, and on telly as well. But when I saw just how sharp they were, like the, the guy goes like this with a bit of paper and did it in that Eddie Hall video, just go like that, and it just cuts through it. Like, how... Is, I don't exactly know what I'm asking here. How do you get it that sharp? Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so, How do you get it that sharp? Is it, is it, does the competition give the axes or are you in charge of yours? You're in charge of your own axes. So a lot of, a lot, there's, with the axes, there's a lot of different sizes. So some people might prefer to have a, a slightly wider axe. Some people might prefer to have a slightly heavier axe. There's all different things. There's, there's no actual rules on how big your axe can be in any of the timber sports competitions. Um, there are some what we call a hard hitting competition. So that's the, um, the least number of blows to finish a block. That's one of the events away from timber sports. That's the only one where you have a limit, a set size and a set weight. But other than that, it can be anything in the timber sports side of it. Those axes actually you can't, it's not an axe you can just go into like, you know, your local B&Q and, and pick one up off the shelf. We actually have to order those in. There's a company in New Zealand, that are probably the, the biggest um, retailer of racing axes, that's Tuatai um, racing axes. There's also companies in Australia, there's one engineered for axemen, another one called Brute Forge. And then there is a company now that's just started out in Italy and they're starting to produce some racing axes and training axes. Um, with those axes, they are like razor sharp. Like you said, you can cut that piece of paper with them with ease. 
Um, there's a lot of work that goes into a meat chacks. Um, we'll have a grind on it. So a different grind that will cut different woods. So it's trying to explain these now. There's a chit, so a chisel on the front edge of the axe. So what you do is you've got like a, a the edge of the axe and then right behind it, it can be hollowed out. Um, the chisel then is, it actually looks, it's actually got file marks in it, so it looks quite rough, but with those file marks, it actually allows the axe to cut a little bit better. The reason why you hollow it out in behind that chisel is so that there's almost like a an, an air pocket. So when you cut the axe in, it gives it that the ability to then pop that chip out. Um, so with, with quicker wood, you might have a different size chisel, so a bigger chisel, so it, the axe is then traveling further before it creates that burst or that pop with that hollowed out bit behind. It's quite hard to explain them without actually having an axe to show people. Yes. Um, there's also different grinds, and there's one called a banana grind, which is for quicker wood again, and there's all different variations of that. So sometimes when people turn up to a competition, they might have a box of six axes there, and people might be like, well, surely they're all going to cut the same, but with those different grinds on them, it actually means that they'll actually go through the wood and cut different types of wood slightly different. That's why you'll tend to see a lot of people at the competitions trying to find a half a log that's already been cut to try and check that axe to see which is going best because there's a lot of lot of advantage that can be gained by choosing the right axe to cut that piece of wood. How much money is in one of those axes? So they are anywhere between... £250 for a second-hand training axe and they can go for one of the top racing axes can be around about £600. Right. Yeah. And with those, if if you were to hit a knot in the piece of wood, it can, they're because they're so, to get them so sharp, they've got to be very thin on the edge. So some of them go down to 14 degrees um, and the edge is like absolutely, there's nothing. So we use... Um, diamond stones and then go down all the way down to like a razor home to get them that sharp but if you hit a knot that's in the piece of wood that you might not even be able to see so with the competition wood they try their hardest to make it as clean as possible to make it as fair as possible but if you hit one of them knots you can take a big chunk out of that axe and then that 600 pound axe is worth about 200 and then you've got to find someone that then can re-grind that axe so you know it's one of them where you could uh you could very easily have a very bad day and be very upset if you uh, manage to find more than one knot and damage more than one axe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so as, as current British champion, Glenn, what records do you have yourself? So the current, I've got the current British record for the springboard. Um, that's a minute and three seconds. I also have the single buck record without an assistant. So um, you used to be able to have an assistant there. So when you're doing the single buck, there used to be someone behind the saw stand that would be able to put a wedge in um, to almost help um, release that wood, if you know what I mean. The, with the cookies, because it's such a big cookie, they can sometimes like um, squeeze against the saw. So you'd have a person with a wedge to help you with that. They then decided to um, take that out. So I've got the record for a non-assisted single buck which is 17.13 seconds so those are the two records i've currently got that seems painfully fast yeah <laughs> you can't even fathom how quick that is like barely open the, the fridge in 17 seconds like <laughs> wow um, <laughs> so if uh, if there's anyone listening that's kind of thinking 
that they'd be interested in getting into it. What would kind of be the process for someone that's kind of got nothing to do with it uh, to start off? So you can look on the um, the Still GB or um, Still Timber Sports page and see if there's any up and coming training camps. They usually tend to start at the at the beginning of the year, so probably around about January February time they'll be looking to start find that new pool of um, of people to come into the training camps. Um, failing that. You can go and find the um, BLSA um, page on Facebook or Instagram. And through there, you can find out where your local club is, if there's one close by. So, like I said, there's um, quite a few clubs in Mid Wales. There's a couple of clubs in North Wales. There's clubs in Dorset. And there's actually a club just starting up in Scotland called the Albertsman. So um, there are starting starting to grow and starting to... to um, get more people involved in the sport but it is one of them things that because it's so um so not as well known as other sports you might be something that you have to travel for for a while um to be able to get involved but it's definitely a sport that's worth getting involved in because the group of people that do do it are just a great bunch of people to be around one question i like to ask folk that do uh what would you say away from the conventional sport is 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 there like a is there like a like a, a Lionel Messi to football or a I literally have no idea. Let's let's see if I can do rugby and you can judge me. Uh Dan Carter. To yeah, rugby. yeah, yeah. Is it yeah, is that yeah, good? Yeah, like, yeah, like the top guy. Is there a, a top person, male or female? I'm guessing male, given the sort of way it's been, but um, in timber sports. Yeah. So. <clears throat> In the timber sports side of it, there's a bloke from Australia, uh, sorry, a bloke from New Zealand who has won nine um, world championships. He is, uh, his name is Jason Winyard. He is the guy that everyone sort of always wanted to beat. He's, um, he's just been consistently been there and been at the top for so many years that he, like, he's definitely, you know, uh, the, the goat of Woodchop, of uh, timber sports will say. Um you know, he's always sort of been the one that's been there that people have always wanted to beat. On the team side of it, it's always been Australia. They've always been the strongest team. So um, I think they've won four four years in a row now. They've won the team championship. And before that, they they only got beaten by New Zealand before that. And then before that, again, they won three. So in the last eight years, they've won seven of them. So they're, they're the team to beat. And then, yeah, Jason Winyard would be would be the person that um, that is the uh, well, the goat of timber sports, we'll say. What's the sort of age range? You're 32, Glenn. Like, how long, <coughs> how long have you got left at, at competitive level? So it's actually, it's quite good in a way that it's, it's not necessarily a young person's sport. Um, Jason Winyard, I think, last year when he was competing, he was, um, was he, could have been 45. Well, he's, he's, I literally just Googled, he's 49. Oh, he is just, he? There we are then, yeah, 49. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, um, there's people that are, I think Lawrence O'Toole is, he's going to be competing for Australia. I think he might be 42. He's another one that's at the top of the sport in the timber sport side of it. And Brad DeLosa could be 45, another one that's at the top. So some of the top, top guys are into their 40s already. Um, there are people like Braden Meyer from Australia. He's uh, he could be 27 now, um, but yeah, 
it's it's not necessarily you have to be in your 20s or early 30s to be able to compete at the top level of this. You, the, the, to be a rookie at strictly age, yeah, it's up to 25. Is, That's it. is there any under 25s that are able to compete with you guys? You know, is there any there that they're like, we wish this rule wasn't the case because we could be competing with the main bunch? So it's there are people that are under the so with the rookies, you've just got to be under 25, but with the with the pro series, you can actually be under that 25. You've got to be above at the age of 18. Um, but you you can you can be under the age of 25. I think Braden Meyer, when he won the world championship, he might have been 24 then. So um you know, there are people that are there or thereabouts. There's a lad, a couple of lads from, uh, there's a Polish lad who's going really, really well. He was, I think he's just qualified now for the European trophy. And there's a lad from Sweden that won the European trophy last year. And I believe he's 21 or 22. So, um, you know, there are guys that are, are under that age that have thought, you know, I'm going to step up into the pros and I'm going to give it a good shot. And they they are doing really well. And you know, they are pushing and winning those big titles. So, yeah, it's it's not necessarily that just because you're in that rookie bracket that you have to stay down in that rookies. Where do you kind of see the growth of timber sports over the next kind of five to ten years? I can, I think with, um, with more and more women getting involved, uh, I think it's going to grow quite big in that way. I think with any sport, really, especially at the moment, there is a big push on trying to get women's sports growing bigger. So I think having that women's category now joining in with us is going to be a massive help to grow the sport. Um, I do think it's going to grow, keep growing, especially off the back of the Eddie Hall video. I'm sure, like, you know, more people, it's getting out there and more people will see it. I know year on year, the, um, the still timber sports side is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're getting more and more hits on the YouTube channels, the Instagrams and, and the, the videos and all stuff like that. So I think it is a growing sport. Um, and hopefully it does get, get bigger and get better and more people do get involved in it because it is quite a, it's quite a unique sport, but it's also quite a good sport to be involved with. Do you ever see it being big enough to be able to be a full-time pro with it? Maybe not for me. Maybe, um, you know, I know there's people out in America and stuff that can do it. And maybe hopefully one day it can be something that someone from the UK can can do it as more or less their full-time job, whether that be with doing training camps or going around and competing and winning prize money. You know, that's obviously it'd be a great thing for, for the sport if there was those opportunities for people. And there are more and more competitions getting, getting started up and, you know, we are getting invited to more things and it, it would be the dream for me, obviously, to be able to, you know, maybe pack the day job in and just go and do my hobby. But I don't think that's something that might happen for me, but, you know, hopefully in the future, someone that might be able to just take that role on. You, uh, you seem quite humble, so I've got a feeling I know what your answer to this question is, but is there a world championship in the future of Glenn Penlington? Oh, I'd love to say, yeah, but um, to be honest, I don't think I don't think I'd love to be able to get to that level and maybe get, 
I think I could maybe fight for a podium one day um, if I keep working hard. But I think that I'm just maybe not quite going to be there enough to win a world title. Maybe I could win a European title in the future. Maybe that's something I want to aim for. Um, but no, realistically, I think it's um, the world title is just that one step too far. Obviously, I want to believe I can go to these competitions and compete and do well. Um, but realistically, as, um, as much as I hate saying it, I just don't think I will get to that, quite get to that level. Still a mental level to be at, to be able to say that, though. I know, you know, I know. Even though, even if you're like having a conversation about it, like you can even think about it as mental. Yeah. Anything. It's classic. <laughs> what about Zoe? Yeah, what do you think her aspirations are? Um, I know she wants to, her next thing is um, to be able to qualify. So there isn't actually a women's world championship yet, but I'm pretty sure that in the next couple of years, there will be, they'll be, um, they'll be looking to do that. Very similar to how they do the rookies. Um, so I think she's going to want to aim to, you know, qualify for that women's world championship. I'm sure she wants to try and win her British title again. Um, she's actually like the smallest of the women competitors. So it does just show it that with this sport, I think if anyone that's in the Eddie Hall video will see that it's, it's not all about how strong you are, how big you are. It's so much about technique and getting that axe going in the right place on the right angles and getting that saw going in nice on the right angles and the, with the right pace. So, you know, I'm sure she wants to just prove a point again and think that she can win that British title again and just be like, you know, it wasn't just a fluke last year and um, that she, she can compete with the top guys. So you mentioned the Eddie Hall video a couple of times. I mean, this podcast over the course of what is now... <laughs> Almost two and a half years, it's had about 290,000 views, I think. Eddie Hall's video I just checked there in four days has had a million. So it's, it's getting out there. That's, that's got to be good for Timber Sports. But um, I've been a fan of him since well before he was World's Strongest Man. Like probably 2014, I was quite a fan of him. So 2017 was the year he won. Um, but what was it like, I think, it's quite your... You're not a massive guy yourself, Glenn, but next to him, because, I mean, at his peak, he was 196 kilos. I think he sits at 160-something at the minute. What, what What is he like? And he's only six foot three. Yeah, so he's, he, only he's actually quite height. small for a yeah. strong man, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he's, he's when when you see him against, like, Thor. Yeah, who's like six, nine. nine. Yeah. yeah, Brian Shaw's six, eight. Like, yeah. He's I'm really, curious, they're big, big. Like, I think he was the shortest strong man to win it, I'm sure. He's probably up there. Like, um, Bill Casmo yeah. would be similar, but... Yeah, what, what was he like to stand next to? <laughs> so, yeah, like like you, I've been a massive fan of Eddie Hall from, you know, probably from the same sort of time when he sort of burst onto the scene and was sort of like, you know, so I've sort of grown up. But when you actually see him on telly and like obviously when you see him next to those guys like Brian Shaw and Thor, he does look, he doesn't look as big. But when you're there and I'm only five foot ten, and he's um he is he he's he's yeah he's a big big guy like so um his he was actually telling us his calves uh, are twenty four inches so um I measured the top of my leg and that was twenty three so his calves are bigger than my actual quad <laughs> so I was like flipping it like that just shows how big he is he's actually what did he say oh he was actually sitting now at one hundred seventy five kilograms and that is just yeah. solid muscle so that's what he he said he was at this on that day so yeah 
he is. He's, he's, he's at the point of ripped at the minute. Yeah, he's got six back and everything, doesn't phenomenal. he? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, um, I see his latest video. He's starting to working towards doing bodybuilding. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's mad to see a bloke that big, but then he's got abs. Um, he is, yeah, in in some good shape for a big guy. It's you know that obviously never became world's strongest man, but Teddy Holland's sort of one of the the absolute standouts, the English strongman. He was at Worlds often, but have you seen him now? I mean, he's like oh, yeah. shredded, shredded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he like was doing proper, yeah. proper shows and everything, wasn't he? Completely like you would have never thought, if you if you saw him in his early days as strongman, to see where he is at now, you just wouldn't think it's the same guy. It's it's unreal. So yeah. so just for, for those watching on YouTube, that was Terry Hall. Oh, that was Terry Holland's in the day of competing at Worlds. You can't see his whole body, but you can you can assume I'm sure. Yeah. Th- them guys, I'm sure I've seen uh let's see then. Holy that's him like two weeks ago. <laughs> like, yeah. It is insane. <laughs> like, I- I'm sure I've seen a Lady Hall documentary that they were basically like, yeah, if if you don't like stop doing strongman and actually lose 30 kilos, you will die in like yeah. five years time. Like them guys have it they can't keep that kind of weight on for too too many years. The week before he won Worlds, because that Worlds was in Botswana, I think. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, insanely hot, first off. They always choose the hottest places. Like, it can't <laughs> yeah. be. But anyway, uh, it was him, Thor, and Brian. Like, Brian was going for his... Was he going for his fourth or was he going for his fifth at that point? Thor and Eddie were going for their first. Yeah. And... Like it was just the most insane final. There was a big controversy about the double dip with the overhead press with Thor. Yeah. But it, it was it was like a mental year. But he was at one nine six kg then, and I said a week. I think it was like four days before the doctors are like, "You're not competing." And I don't know how he got out of that actually, because I never, I've never actually, I don't think I know the answer to that. Uh, so yeah, like uh, two hundred kilos is nuts. That's, like I, that's I'm, a crazy amount. I'm a big two, guy. two and a half times me. Well, exactly. I'm a, I'm the same height as him, and people would say I'm a big guy for my size, and he's got about eighty kilos on me. So me, me on you. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is nuts. But what was he like as a guy? He seems really sound. Honestly, he was just such a good person to be around he he took the sport and he, he respected it massively if you anyone who hasn't seen the video just go across and have a look because the respect he gives the sport like you know it is a very unique sport it's it probably is easy to just say like oh you know it's only cutting a bit of wood but he took it all in he he was actually like you know very like i said respectful of it he um appreciated us for what we were doing um he actually said himself, he said he goes swimming, running, can hit the gym for three hours. And that was the biggest workout. It was the the most workout or energies has been taken away from him for a while. So he was like, you know, sweating and, and you know, did take it out of him. Um, but yeah, he was just such a nice guy and easy to chat to. You could ask him anything. And, you know, he didn't have that big ego of I'm Eddie Hall and, and I'm just going to come here and that. It was just so, so good to you know like I said I've followed him from similar to you like you know from his early days so it was almost like meeting one of your heroes like I absolutely love watching the strong man I think you know it's that big thing at Christmas and at Channel 5 and and sitting down on Boxing Day and then New Year's Eve and watching it but to be able to meet him but him be be just that respectful of the sport that I was doing was just great 
and in, in your backyard, you know, he was there to see you. That yeah, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, like it's honestly like after it happened, it was almost like did that did that actually happen? Was I actually yeah. filming with Eddie Hall? Do you know what I mean? It was like, nah, sure, surely it, it, it's just a dream. But no, he um, it was great for him to come down, and he was just like I said, so respectful to the sport and and just took it all in, listened to it all, and just to see see him. He didn't struggle like he he did it all, but just to see how how well someone that that is that like you know he's the world's strongest man. He's he's still extremely strong now, and I'm sure if he if he wanted to, he could go back and compete at a very high level. But to see him almost just struggle that little bit, just and say to everyone how how hard the sport is was just was just so good. And that that's like people probably don't realize him because when he said that it was just after he have you seen it. Yeah, the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. See when he took off the, the shirt and it was I like, <laughs> was, so I was genuinely killing myself laughing. When he said that, like you know, it's one of the biggest workouts I've had in a while. It's important to mention this was the first man to lift a ton off the ground. Yeah. Well, a ton lower than eighteen inches. Um, let's not get into whether Thor did it or not. It's that. It's <laughs> um, did you by any chance mention that to him? <laughs> oh, no. Like I was not. <laughs> You were there, weren't you? <laughs> I just want to note, like, I, so that the battle at the time was so good because yeah, it was it's so tense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was playing yeah. smack in the middle of COVID. His dad measured the weights. Like, I am in no way disputing Thor's a, a strong guy. Like, I can't, I can't lift half my body weight, you know. So, like, well, I can't. But you know what I mean? Like, um, it's the 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 way he did it. We've kind of almost went off off you for a second, Glenn. But it's just um, the way he did it for those that are listening are thinking. This is three guys talking about what it doesn't matter, but the 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 deadlift record was four five five four five seven. This is in kilos we're talking four six one, and then Eddie lifted four six two four six three, and then said I'm going to lift five hundred. And over the course of like a like twenty years, it's went up. I couldn't tell you, but like fifty kg. And then he said, No, I'm going to lift thirty seven yeah. higher like phenomenal everyone was like no you're not mate and then he went and did it like it was mental um, yeah. and he's came out and said the thing you do as a as a sport on the side of a full-time job is a is a massive workout that's that's yeah. massive for the sport like massive how uh how did it come about the video with eddie hall so he actually did a one of his one of the, the videos he does now is he sort of watches like a highlights reel or clips of, of different things. And he just does his, does a commentary on it, like a live commentary and just films it. So he actually watched the highlights from when the world championships was in Liverpool and just talked about the timber sports and just watched it and was just like, so into it that, that um, the guys that still reached out to him and just said, Oh, do you, do you fancy coming and having a go and doing some filming? And he was like, yeah, for sure. So he come along um with his his two filming guys and just done a youtube video off the back of that so you know just to see him do two two videos in the space of i think it was six weeks uh about timber sports just how much that's going to have grown the sports just massive that, that's what his channel is at the minute isn't it just i mean he's 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 done the strong man he still does mental things like he did europe's or whatever like a, a team thing but he just tries new things and I love it. It must be so fun. Oh, yeah, mate, I, I love it. It's just like, ah, oh, it looks cool. I'm going to try it with the best people. The, yeah. The thing, isn't it? And do you know what's mad? And that we've said the size of the guy. 
you mentioned that he, he swam and stuff like that. He was like a British champion swimmer. Like he's not just a yeah, yeah. He was like he was a swimmer, and but everything he tries, he's good at. Like he did calisthenics one day, and everyone was like, "How are you lifting yourself up?" Like he's he's yeah. he's a bit of a freak. Like, uh, but no, it was it was really cool to see. And I I must have I don't know if you got many sort of media inquiries or anything like that, Glenn, but. I, I think it had been up about three minutes when I messaged you. <laughs> I was like, I want this guy. This is class. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, here, it's it's, uh, it's cool. And so that's the point, actually. People listening, bear in mind, this will be coming out on the 12th of June. You've got a pretty big one coming up at the weekend. What's that? Yeah, so um, that the 17th of June is going to be the... Um, the Still Timber Sports um, British Championships are the pro one. So um, I'll be competing in that. That's going to be in Malvern at the Three County Show. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, it's also going to be live across the YouTube official Still Timber Sports YouTube page as well. So if anyone does want to watch, um, then that's where it can be. Uh, are you going to retain? Yeah, I'm going to say yeah, I am. I'm going to try and be confident <laughs> and, and say, yeah, look, look there's a... There's a lot of guys that have been training really hard. Like I've mentioned, Graham from Scotland. Um, he's putting in a lot of work. Um, he's he's going to be pushing me all the way. There's another lad that's returning to the sport, Rob Chatley. Um, he's had a few years out and he's returning, but he's a really strong guy as well. So he's going to be trying to push. And there's also people around it as well. There's a there's a bloke um, that's, you know, local town to me that I know is working really hard. Like it, you know, everyone's trying hard to, to win that British title. So I know it's going to be hard. It's going to it's going to be a big ask to to do the double, but um to do the repeat. But yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that I can. I've been putting in a lot of work, and and my results so far this year have been good. So yeah, hopefully I will. You know, as a as a Scotsman, you want to root for the Scotsman, but you're just such a nice guy, man. Yeah, I just want you to win it, though. Yeah, you just uh, um, I have a genuine request. Feel free to tell me to bugger off. And I'm willing to add Ed into this request if he's keen and you're excited. I have no idea what's going there. <laughs> I'm not that bad a person. Like, just, anytime I say something, like I'm going to say something, he's like, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Um, we have a, a club thing. I don't know if you're going. Down in Wales in July. See if Ed and I sort of disappeared for like an hour. Would we be able to come and have a bit of a play? Well, yeah, sure, yeah. No, maybe four hours. <laughs> you know where we're going? No. <laughs> right, we'll figure that one out. Right, so maybe it's not to do with that trip, but basically if we arrange sometime to come down, could we have a bit of crack? I'd love that, man. Yeah, we'd be good. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, definitely. Then you can humble him on an axe. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to send you my TikTok, right? <laughs> I chopped one big log. Uh, but that, that's actually, I mean, obviously... Oh, yeah, it was a big log to you, maybe. <laughs> It's going to be a bit of like a kindling. A big log to you and that's taller than your shop, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, obviously, I introduced this podcast by saying this man might be as good with an axe as me. I'm obviously taking the piss. I just want to he tumbled sure you know Eddie Hall with an axe. <laughs> we could excellent. <laughs> In my defense, I'm better with an axe than Eddie Hall. I would genuinely say that. Here goes. Anyway. Uh, Eddie, if you're watching this, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's some clickbait right there. <laughs> <laughs> Call it. 
calls out Eddie Hall. Would it, how did I manage this? Like, can you think of three people in the world bigger than you, Wallace? He's one of them. Like, I've managed to call him out. Anyway, this is a major sidetrack here. Major sidetrack. Um, and, and this is this this is quite an interesting thing. All the things you do in timber sports, I've never done because I've not failed. I've, it's, it's always just splitting logs and stuff like that. And I hate using chainsaws. It's the worst thing in the world. So when you said you enjoy axes more, like I, I get it. But um, yeah, no, I hear me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you yeah, enjoyed but- it yourself. You enjoyed coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me on there. It's, um, you know, it's, it's great to be a part of this. Yeah, good man. Yeah, good. good. Enjoyed it, Ed? Yeah, it's been good. It's, it's, it's always fun class to find a yeah. new thing. Yeah, learn, learning about new things is mental what some people yeah. are capable of. It's been quite a good run we've had so far with a professional footballer. Yeah. We've had uh, a couple that have travelled 59, 29 countries, and now we've had a guy that's travelled 11 countries and is a current British champion in the sport like this. I can't believe we've already had two people on that play rugby. You just like, so, did Jack play rugby? But Dylan yeah. played rugby as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, there so, we go. A bit of background for a thing, right? Um, Ed, so I've moved to this area. I've moved to Dumfries from, from an island, right? And uh, me and Ed became quite good pals. But over the course of, like, we were doing a Young Farmers concert together. Like, when we weren't on, I was asking him things about, I was trying to lose weight and get into the gym. And obviously, as you've seen, he's tense, his muscles 24-7. He's quite <laughs> in quite good order. So he was giving me tips and stuff. And we started speaking about sport. And... I realised pretty rapidly that all he cared about was rugby. And he's managed, he's been on four podcasts so far. Every time. We spoke about rugby every, every time. time. <laughs> no, did we mention it with Dylan? Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah, it was mentioned. <laughs> okay. it, 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 we <laughs> didn't go into it, but it was mentioned. All right, okay. We'll go back and check, but I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, but anyway, no, as, as we said, Glenn, here, it's been it. an utter pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. Before you go, though, there's been one thing that we left you uh, with uh, to think out throughout the course of the podcast. If you were to give a question, and we will answer this now, if you were to give a question to the next guest, which is going to be an American comedian. I didn't tell you he's American, did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. An American comedian trying to sort of make it in the stand-up world in LA. That doesn't matter, though. What would your question be? Right. So... If you were to win the lottery, what would be the first big thing you would buy? So not like a bottle of champagne. <laughs> I'll what what money? Like, well, you've, you've won, let's say, five million. We're going to five million. Yeah. The lottery. Um, first, thing, first thing I would buy. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not just, oh, I'd buy a house, I'd buy whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. before you make any major decisions, you're going to go out and buy something cool. I'd buy um, a reversing camera for you so you could reverse part your car. <laughs> I'd buy a car with a reversing camera. No, I, I was genuinely going along the route of a car, but I mean, oh, that's I, so think quite, I, I quite like a car as well, in fairness. What, so you're like, I've just won five million, but this golf is nah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it, it gets me about. Before he answers, what he's going to say <clears throat> is more flake v cows. That's a breed of cow, by the way. Well, yeah, it, is, it could go along that route. Yeah, I thought it would. <laughs> that's, that's a good question because, like, you've always went over the whole what are you going to do with a million pounds or whatever, but when you're actually thinking, bang, number one. 
Uh, I think I'd buy one of those like 80 kilo drones. Nice. Like we had one, at, I, I work at a uni line. We had one at our, our uni last month and this, like a flying one, it was nuts. Like I've got one of the wee 249 gram ones, but you can get one the size of a car. Like that'd be class. That's probably still only like 20,000. Like, <laughs> Mine's going to be really boring now then. Uh, well, I've just bought my lawnmower, so. I'm buying a lawnmower. <laughs> I, I just wrote off my lawnmower uh, at the weekend there, so um, <laughs> literally that's the first thing I'm buying because that grass is just slowing down. I know what your response is going to be to what I've said because I am going to say I have a story about a lawnmower from last oh, week. <laughs> so I was on the phone to my mum last week. Mum, I know you're listening and I'm so sorry for having you on this. She's bought a new lawnmower. Yeah, no, it's you're sorry. You're going to put a Sorry, Laura Curry. Uh, um, <laughs> right, so my mum and dad had had this lawnmower for years, and it was awful, right? It was a good lawnmower, but they're not the best at looking after maintenance and all that sort of thing. This will give someone that uses chainsaws the absolute fear. Probably never seen any maintenance, anything like that, right? Um, and it was done, so they got this new one from China. <laughs> mum said... <laughs> I'm going to butcher this story because I just think it's funny. Put the chainsaw down in the garden, that's grand, got it ready to go, started going. And so there was a wee thing at the side that said what she assumed was one to seven, and it was at three. And she started and she goes, and that's fine. And she was about halfway around and she was like, there's no grass, but it's cut. <laughs> it's not in the basket. Where's the grass? Right? She starts looking, finds the education, the education manual, that's not what you call it. And the uh, Instructions and all that sort of thing. God, I'm such a teacher. Um, <laughs> nothing in the basket, nothing there. Finds this little thing that's like proper mulch in it. And she's like, oh, class, like it's mulching, that's grand. But I still want to pick it up. So that was sorted, sorted that out. And she was like, I wonder what three is. <laughs> so she was like, oh, I'll put it up to seven. <laughs> it was speed, right? And I'm sure my mum would be <laughs> too sad at me saying this. Uh, I have got my size from appearance, shall we say. Uh, and uh, mum had a bit of a challenge. <laughs> what are you laughing at? It? <laughs> mum, <laughs> mum had a bit of a challenge, and she said she basically couldn't catch up with this new lawnmower. <laughs> she was running around. <laughs> so uh, when we bring Eddie Hall up, he's going to say the bigger workout was using the lawnmower. Uh, but uh, mum, I'm sorry if you've made it to this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Glenn, it's been it's been great. Really do appreciate you coming on. It's been a great story. Thanks, uh, here, not at all. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening, that's been our two cast 111, where my poor mum got absolutely outed at the end there. The last episode was a John Hamilton, a vet, talking about his time at uni and vet school and what was sort of what was next for him. He's travelled to New Zealand. He's done quite a lot in veterinary, even though he only graduated about four years ago. I think the next episode I have arranged, but I, oh, I do know what it is. The next episode <clears throat> um, of the R2Cast people in food and farming is with Matthew Ingram, who is a beekeeper, which I'm really looking forward to because I bloody love honey. 
Uh, <laughs> just laugh at everything I say, don't you? I'm just a really funny guy. Uh, the next episode of the R2 cast, all in with myself and Ed here, Mr. Muscles, uh, will be <laughs> look at look at him, he's like, <clears throat> um, will be with Jamie Clark. So we'll be looking at comedy and whatnot, which will be good fun. Jamie is a black belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu and once knocked me out. Uh, I did Don't ask him to. It was really interesting. I was like, can oh, you knock okay. me out? And it was quite cool. So uh, a lot happening with the podcast. Ten episodes coming out, it came out in May, which is nuts, by the way. That is a lot. I think it's going to be 12 in June. Or is it 11? I can't remember. It's crazy crazy figures. Glenn, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. Go follow. That's a point, actually. Instagram, Glenn, is it? Is it yeah, probably. What is it? Do you know? My Glenn.Pennington. That's right, yeah, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn. Pennington. Um, cool. So go follow Glenn there. Go check out the Eddie Hall video with him. And was it Jack Glenn? Is that the name? Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack really Morris. good episode. Jack Morris. Yeah. Perfect. Grand. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you for our two cast hundred and twelve.